are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome everybody to Locked On Dolphins. Today is January 4th, 2021. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, and I hope today can be the podcast you need to hear as much as the one that I need to say. The Dolphins losing in week 17, 56 to 26, falling to 10 and 6 on the season. The Dolphins, despite an expanded playoff field that includes seven teams per conference with 10 wins, will not partake in the postseason. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you can get 20% off your next order. Built Bar is a nice little pick-me-up. I've had three already this morning. I've kind of wrestled with how I wanted to do today's show, to be completely honest with you guys. There's a part of me that wanted to come out, guns blazing, like we did the last time the Dolphins lost to the Bills in Week 2. Um, but there, there's more at play here. Uh, than just a game the Dolphins let get the best of them and, and let get away from them as a football team. I think there's a lot of dynamics of this team and, and this season as it comes to a close. And retrospect, you look at the entire body of work, the entire 16-game season, and, and I've really been hesitant to to kind of pound the table for, for people to stay or go based on you know a small sample size or less than the full season's worth of a sample size. And now that we've reached the end of the road, we can start to kind of evaluate, and I'm sure that's what the Dolphins will be doing over the next couple of days. And we plan to do the same thing here. So if you're not familiar with, with my background, uh, my full-time work is with the Draft Network. I'm the direct, director of scouting, and we refer to ourselves as football's 33rd front office. So what I'm going to take from my experiences over the Draft Network and, and kind of do in tandem here on Lockdown Dolphins we're going to approach this offseason just like the team would. And obviously, we, we know the team well. And we're going to kind of follow along and, and evaluate the roster, evaluate the coaches, evaluate the season, and evaluate what our options are. We're going to lay it out exactly how the team would lay it out as far as, okay, you know, we have this role in the wide receiver room. Here's who we have. Can we upgrade it? Let's find opportunities to upgrade it, so on and so forth. So... I'm excited for the offseason, but I didn't want to get here like this. You know, all week it was will they, won't they, will the Bills play everybody? Will the Bills come out and they, they healthy scratch Trey White and Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison? And you say, okay, you know, here we go. The Bills they're gonna start Josh Allen. We're gonna keep an eye on the Pittsburgh game. Uh they're gonna get Josh the single season franchise throwing uh, yardage record. And we'll weather that storm and, and we'll see where we're at. And the Dolphins for the first quarter. I thought they did okay. You know, field position was tough beyond the, the opening possession in which the Dolphins had the interception that set them up on the short field, and we flushed a snap down the toilet with a, a mistimed snap uh, and throw away that forced to a field goal. But I thought the first quarter, you know, Miami ran the ball with some success. They had a fair amount of success pressuring and, and covering Josh Allen, and then the second quarter hit, and just the wheels fell off the bus. They gave up 28 points in the f- second quarter alone by itself. And um, 28-6, Miami comes out. They score touchdowns, 28-13. They force a punt, okay. Devontae Parker falls down, pick six. Josh Norman, the route is on. 
Um, special teams touchdown allowed, defensive touchdown to Tonga Valoa. De facto, they kind of forced him, the Bills forced him into throwing the ball and trying to let, quote-unquote, Tua cook in this game. And uh, obviously the yardage ended up being there a lot of that in the second half once the game was well in hand. Um, but he did pass for 360-something yards passing and um, threw three interceptions. Uh, one of them, Devontae Parker, as we said. But the greater theme of, of Tua in this game and he finished the day 35 of 58 for 361 yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions. How many drops did you see? Genuine question. How many drops, Isaiah Ford, Lim Bowden, were the passes always dead-on accurate? No, they weren't. But you got to have some guys that can make some freaking plays. Dolphins don't have them. The Dolphins do not have these players. So as we begin to evaluate this roster, and we look at the skill players, we look at Miles Gaskin, and we look at Devontae Parker, and we look at Limbo and Jr., and like these are these are players that you'd want back. Mike Gusecki, for sure. But Mike Gusecki is probably the only one that I'm going to advocate to be back in the same role from a volume perspective as what he is right now. Because... What the Dolphins have is not good enough from a skill player's perspective. Uh, if they would have made the playoffs, it would have been the equivalent of bringing a butter knife to a gunfight. Look at the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills were without Cole Beasley. And the depth that they have in the skill players. Isaiah McKenzie scored three touchdowns against the Dolphins. They're like third or fourth string running back rumbled for two touchdowns. Look at the Kansas Cities of the world. Look at the Tennessee Titans of the world. Thank you, Tennessee, for not choking away that game against Houston last night. Managed to make me lose every bit of remaining calm that I had in my body after calming down after the Dolphins game, watching Tennessee nearly shit their pants and blow that game. A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, really good tight end room, Derrick Henry, Stack the Dolphins' skill players up against Tennessee's. Go one for one. You taking Devontae Parker over A.J. Brown? I don't think I am right now. Not with Devontae Parker being unable to play through uh, the hamstring injury the past two weeks. Certainly not taking anybody over Derrick Henry. Kansas City Chiefs. Anybody taking anybody in the Dolphins' skill players over anybody on the Kansas City Chiefs? No, you're not. Buffalo Bills. Stephon Diggs is the best wide receiver out of both teams. Bills have a ton of depth at wide receiver. They really don't need tight ends. They have serviceable tight ends. Even the Pittsburgh Steelers. Chase Claypool, how many touchdowns did he have this year? Their wide receiver room, the depth, Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson. Tight end room is, is Eric Ebron and Vance McDonald. And a running back room with James Con Like. Look at the teams that qualified for the playoffs. And the Dolphins are very clearly handcuffed with what they have at the disposal of their quarterback relative to all of those teams. Now, it's a shame because the Dolphins had the better defense. Dolphins had a really good defense this year, and we will not get to see it on the playoff stage. And for that, I regret. But 
All of that to say this, I think, is my big takeaway from the Bills' loss and putting it into the entire body of work of the season for the Dolphins. There's This is the clear next hurdle for the Dolphins because in 2019, the Dolphins' roster was completely devoid of talent, by and large, across the board. They weren't very good in any specific area. They had to play effortless, high-level, relentless, nonstop football without any penalties, without any turnovers for 60 minutes to get the wins that they got. And it took them some bad teams to play, and they, they beat two playoff teams in Philadelphia and New England. Okay? Great. What you did then versus what you did now in 2020 is the Dolphins won 10 games. Six of the games that they lost, they lost a letdown game against a 5-11 Denver Broncos team in Denver. That's the black mark on the resume. They lost week one to a New England Patriots team that had no tape on what their brand new offense was going to look like against the best head coach this side of Don Shula. Okay, there, there's not a lot of shame in doing that to dropping that game under those circumstances in Foxborough to Bill Belichick. You wish you could have a mulligan. You wish it was a week four game and not a week one game. You probably win the game. Those two losses aside, Miami's losses this year have come to teams that are 12 and four, the Seattle Seahawks, 13 and three, the Buffalo Bills twice, and the 14 and two Kansas City Chiefs, who are only 14 and two because they sat everybody week 17. The NFL playoffs are here, and while the Dolphins are not qualified, it does not mean you cannot still be a winner this winter. There's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust for all of your online sports bets, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. So the Dolphins, by and large, you know, they, they beat the ten and six Rams, they beat the eight and eight Arizona Cardinals, they beat the eight and eight Las Vegas Raiders. So they had some quality wins on the schedule. But the elite teams that the Dolphins played this year, Miami went zero for four. I don't know how much we can be angry about that when you look at it through the scope of where this roster was in 2019, how young this roster is in 2020, how new into this rebuild this team is. But that's the reminder. Yes, the Dolphins went from five wins to ten wins. But there is another tier to be achieved, and it comes when you actually have the talent to bump with those caliber football teams. The Dolphins were close in three out of four. First time they lost to Buffalo, it was by a field goal. When they lost to Seattle, it was by eight points. When they lost to Kansas City, it was by six. And then you come out and you get freaking boat raced by Buffalo with their backups in. You know, and it was pretty apparent pretty quick You know, through the second quarter that it was just not Miami's day. And there's a part of me, again, that, that wanted to come out and, and get angry with the performance. But the Dolphins have been effectively playing playoff games now for the last month. They got to 8-4. and four. It became apparent very quickly 
that the AFC playoff picture was going to be crowded, and you started to feel the pressure, and they lose by seven to Kansas City, okay. You come out, and you say you're eight and five. If you lose again, you're done. You can't lose again. They beat New England. They win ugly in that game. They have the miracle comeback against the Raiders. And then you drop the game to the Bills. For a young team, second youngest roster in all of football, who went on this 9-3 and three stretch, 9-2 and two before Week 17 was played. Go to Buffalo, you got to play in the cold. A lot of factors against you, but it's set up when you looked at it from the external view and you weren't in the weeds with the team on a day-to-day basis. And, and, you know, this team is probably pretty worn out mentally. Or at least they certainly played like it in Week 17. So you take, you know, a really high-stakes gauntlet of playing effectively three consecutive proverbial playoff games and must-win games. You take the the roster talent handcuffs and and you add in, okay, you know, we, we didn't have several key pieces. We didn't have Jakeem Grant, our most explosive player. Say what you will about his consistency as a receiver. Um, you didn't have some of your special teams guys. Lo and behold, Dolphins give up a punt return touchdown. And they were pretty bad in punt coverage, to be completely honest, against Las Vegas too. The cracks were starting to show. It's just easy to overlook it when your team's having fun and winning football games. Ultimately, big picture view. I predicted the Dolphins at the beginning of the season to go 9-7. and seven. They went 10-6. and six. They outperformed my expectations. You have a lot of young players that showed a lot of great promise. And then you look at what the Dolphins and their opportunities are this offseason to get even better and put themselves into the position from a talent perspective that they can go toe-to-toe across the board, not just in certain components of the team, with the 12-4 Seattle Seahawks of the world and the 13-3 Buffalo Bills of the world and the 14-2 Kansas City Chiefs of the world. An okay, let's go. Like, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and piss and moan and cry or complain or stomp my feet about a really ugly loss to end the season. It's a letdown. Everybody knows it's a letdown. Everybody's angry. I had people calling me hacks last night on Twitter. Uh, people calling me phonies. Um, people were angry last night, and I get it. I get that you're angry, and everybody deals with, with these losses in, in certain ways and their own individual ways. We're all angry that the Dolphin season ended like this. But what I would hope is that the people that are most angry about this loss are the people in the locker room. Because the players that are here now for the first time in the Greer-Flores era are in the majority of the players that are going to be back on next year's team. And I hope they remember it. And I hope they think a lot about 56-26. to 26, And I hope they think a lot about what they lost in Buffalo in week 17 and the opportunity that they had and how they handled it and what maybe they would do differently. And think about that Bills team because now that we're what? We're 15, 17 minutes in the show. I want to bury this in here a little bit. Uh, didn't want to drop this in off the top just in case any Bills fans are coming, swinging in, listening. Oh, Kyle going to have his meltdown. I hate the Buffalo Bills. I hate this football team. I'm so tired 
of Buffalo. Kicking our ass every time. And if you asked me, the best thing that the Dolphins could do this offseason is to really evaluate what are the ways that you can build a team that can beat the freaking Buffalo Bills. Because I'm tired of it. And I bet your ass they're tired of it too. This freaking team has been a thorn in our side before they were even good. And I'm over it. What do you need to get there? I think you need some more organic pass rush. I think you need to be able to generate a little bit more heat with your front. Because if you bring pressure against Josh Allen, he he is like Patrick Mahomes in that he'll extend plays and his arm allows him to break the rules of what quarterback should and should not be able to do. You need to get a better nickel on this roster. You need better options for your nickel defense to go man-to-man coverage. And you need some offensive firepower to score points with them toe-to-toe. But I am so tired of the Buffalo Bills. I am so tired of Josh Allen owning this team. The best run teams in football design their rosters to beat their division. The Bills went 6-0 and against the AFC East this year. The Dolphins went 3-3. Three and three. So did the New England Patriots. If the Dolphins had a winning record against the AFC East this year, they'd be in the playoffs. And what's a bitch about it is you are guaranteed you're going to roll into next year and you are going to automatically put two L's in the column next to Buffalo. Because why, until they prove they can beat that team, why would you consider that to be in the realm of possibility? It's always in the realm of possibility. But why would you consider that a likely outcome? This Bills team is good. It's a, it's a legitimate Super Bowl contender. But for the Dolphins and Bills to play as often as they do, and for the Dolphins' only win of Josh Allen's career against Josh Allen to be a miracle game in which Josh just left the throw to Charles Clay short in the end zone, wide open by 10 yards, on like the last play of the game, it's the only time the Dolphins beat him, it's getting old. It's getting real old. So I wouldn't be surprised, you know, as you evaluate this Dolphins roster, you are in tandem looking at what the best in your division is doing, and you are trying to get into an arms race with that team. Because that's the the easiest pathway to the postseason every single year is to win the division. And finally, finally, New England is out of the way. And the team that has taken the mantle this year is a team that the Dolphins have all kinds of fits with. It needs to change. The Dolphins know it. The Dolphins definitely know it. And I would expect them to act accordingly this offseason to get better at doing the things that can challenge Buffalo. Buffalo is not a team that is 30 points better than the Miami Dolphins. If you played that game on Sunday 100 times, that's probably the worst outcome you'd get out of all 100 times the game is played. And that's what sucks, right? That's what has everybody so on edge and upset today. Is we know this team well enough to know it's better than what they did on Sunday. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. So whether you're looking for a healthy snack, 
a breakfast on the go, something post-workout, or just like delicious things, Built Bar can fill the void for you. And best of all, Built Bar doesn't just taste good, it blows the nutritional facts of your typical protein bar out of the water. It's got 200 calories per bar or less, up to 20 grams of protein per bar, 18 delicious flavors to choose from, and one-seventh the grams of carbs and sugar of your typical protein bar. So if you're looking for a change-up in your diet, visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you can save 20% off your next order of Built Bar. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, to save 20% and find out what all the fuss is about for yourself. But let it serve as the reminder that we know this team, from a talent perspective, is not where they need to be to consistently compete to be a 12 or 13 win team of their own. There is, of course, going to be a great deal of conversation around the Dolphins' quarterback situation and is Tua Tagovailoa the long-term answer? Is he not? Um, I'll say this. I wasn't inspired by his play. Um... But this was really kind of said earlier in the show. I've been apprehensive about getting on board with making any rash decisions about the coaching staff or anything like that based off of a small sample size. If you wanted to build the argument for the Dolphins to make an offensive coordinator change again this year, you look at the way that this game went, especially in the first half for the Dolphins. And I get it, you know, the Dolphins want to play the, the game a certain kind of way, and I think you saw why they don't want to throw it wide open and throw it 50 times a game, because they don't have the horses in the skill group, and Tua is inexperienced. It's setting yourself up for, lo and behold, the Dolphins had four turnovers in this football game. Four! Three picks by Tua. So, like, it's like, yes, this is, this is the kind of inefficiency that, Chan Gailey has been attempting to avoid with the way he calls games. But you got to read the room a little bit. And the Dolphins, to sit here and, and continue to just nickel and dime, and, and you finally get down into the red zone, and we call a couple of runs. Why? You passed all the way down the field, and you run the ball in the mid-red zone. Oh, I was sick to my stomach. So, yeah. This grand experiment for the Dolphins with Chan Gailey, and is he, you know, somebody who should should be here in the long-term picture? And, and everybody kind of knows, you know, he's an older hire, so he's probably not going to be here more than a couple years in best-case scenario. I'm not going to get mad anymore. You know, I tried to be the steady hand and, and you know, okay, let's, let's look at it from all levels, and Chan is doing some good things conceptually. And, but just, like, the ability to read the room... And understand the kind of game that you're in sometimes. That was the most frustrated I've been from a play calling perspective. And I get I've seen the gripes all season long. But yeah. Um Dolphins finished with four hundred and fifty-four yards, four turnovers, a lot of garbage time yardage. You can take it or leave it, to be honest with you. And we'll evaluate that later this week as well. We'll look at, you know, the coaching staff and proposed changes that that could be made and who are some good candidates and and we'll do all that but um as far as the quarterback situation goes 
I think what's most important is the Dolphins have flexibility. And what I mean by that is the Dolphins, thanks to the Houston Texans, have the number three overall pick in the NFL draft. If the Dolphins fell in love with a quarterback, I'm going to trust them to do whatever they feel is best. I would like to think that the Dolphins, because of their investment into a Tungvaloa, because of the potential that he has shown in flashes and in spurts, I think they need to be honest with themselves about what they need to do from a personnel perspective to build around him. From a coaching perspective, things that worked this year, things did not work this year. I'd expect if they do make a change, we're probably going to go after somebody who's not afraid to run a little bit of freaking tempo. So, the Dolphins have flexibility because they have the number three overall pick. What happens hypothetically if Trevor Lawrence were on the board at three? Is anybody going to be mad about taking Trevor Lawrence? No. If the Dolphins trade out of that pick for QB3, if Justin Fields, who had a great game this past weekend against Clemson, he blew him up. He had as many touchdown passes, six, as he did incompletions against the Clemson Tigers. If he's on the board at three, and somebody comes calling in the teens, and they're offering you multiple ones, multiple twos, multiple threes to move up, the Dolphins have flexibility to say, great. We have all the flexibility we need to make sure that Tua Tagovailoa does not come into 2021, go into a gunfight with a butter knife, which is what we saw at the end of the season. Flexibility is the name of the game. The Dolphins have it. If you are amongst the people who are out in your feelings on social media and suggesting that, that Chris Greer needs to be fired and they blew the Tua pick and they blew the Noah. Please stop. Please stop. Do you know what Jared Goff, you know, and say what you will about Jared Goff, the, the Rams went to a Super Bowl and were in a one-score game in the final moments of a Super Bowl with Jared Goff as their quarterback. Do you know what his stats look like his first year as the number one overall pick? Jared Goff was 0-7 as a starter, completed 54% of his passes, yards per attempt of 5.3, a quarterback rating of 63.6, and a sack rate of 11.3% through five touchdowns and seven interceptions. Josh Allen, that guy who's kicking our ass every time the Bills play the Dolphins, you know what his stats were for his rookie season? He was 5-6, he completed 52% of his passes, he averaged 6.5 yards per attempt, a quarterback rating of 67.9, and a sack rate of 8%. He threw 10 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. Those are just two recent examples. And now you take Tua Tagovailoa, who finished his rookie season 6 and 2 as a starter, 64% completion, 6.3 yards per attempt, an 87.1 quarterback rating, and a sack rate of 6.5%, throwing 11 touchdowns and 5 interceptions. There's plenty of frustration to be had with Tua. And I don't think it's out of the realm of being reasonable to say that there are areas that Tua Tungvalu needs to, get, needs to get better. The one sack that he took in the first half, by the way, all I did was say, hey, Tua did not realize and recognize that he was hot on this blitz. The Bills brought more players 
then the Dolphins could block. And therefore, you have to identify that and know where your hot is and throw the hot route so you don't take the sack. Dude, he didn't even hit the back of his drop. Nobody could have gotten away from that. Yeah, I'm being objective about his play in an area in which he could be better, which is pre-snap identification. Because if you go back, I guarantee you, go back and watch the last two weeks. Three weeks, including the New England Patriots. The teams that had the most success throwing curveballs to Tua Tungvaloa in the past month were the teams that had a bunch of movement before the snap, they kept the middle of the field congested, and they did not have clear tells as to whether or not we were in the middle of the field open or closed coverage. And Tua, to his credit, for ball security purposes, did not want to throw the ball into coverages or routes that he was not confident about. So he needs to get better at identifying pre-snap what the defense is doing. That is the biggest divide between where Tua Tungvaloa wins and where Tua Tungvaloa was the best quarterback to give the Dolphins a chance to win on Sundays, which was the physical realm, his footwork, his accuracy, his athleticism. All those things skewed in Tua's favor. But the reason why in crunch time, the Dolphins did at times turn to Ryan Fitzpatrick was because Fitz, with his experience was more consistent in the identification of plays in the pre-snap. If you take offense to that, I don't know what to tell you. Because Ryan Fitzpatrick's been playing in the NFL for 16 years, and two has had nine starts. Of course Fitzpatrick's going to be better at the mental game, the mental side of the game. He's done it 28 times long, 32 times longer than Tua Tagovailoa has done at the NFL level. So the next step for Tua to becoming a more consistent week-in and week-out player is to continue to master defensive fronts, coverages, despite all the window dressings and noise the teams can put on. What's your box count? Where is the rush coming from? What do we have blocked up in protection? If I can't block this guy, I know I'm, I'm responsible for this one guy in protection. If he comes... Where's my hot route? Get the ball out. Okay, you know, they're moving guys around. The safety's kind of rolling down into like a four-week type look. But based on his leverage, where he's aligned, where the the post safety, who's looking like a single high safety, is he shaded to a certain landmark on the field from a width perspective? If he is, that that other safety's probably going to push and we're going to be back in the middle of the field open and I can take that shot over the middle of the field. All of these kinds of things. It's an adjustment. That's where Tua has to get better, pre-snap. Because physically and post-snap, he is better than Ryan Fitzpatrick. And it's not even close. So I get why the Dolphins, from that perspective, said he gives us the best chance to win. But that is Tua Tungvaloa's biggest area of improvement going into this offseason. That's it. Pre-snap, identification, and understanding and mastery of plays. And the Dolphins can go a long way in helping him by getting guys who win at the line of scrimmage as compared to guys who win at the top of route stems that have to win with physicality. Because two has not looked at passing the ball through the lens yet. Though he has now for nine games because he's had to. A lot to say. A lot of thoughts. At the end of the show... I can still say I'm extremely proud of what this team did from the start of the season to the end of the season. 
10 wins is nothing to turn your nose up to. The fortitude that they showed coming out of the Kansas City game and beating New England, beating Las Vegas, finding a way to play 17 weeks worth of meaningful football this season in year two of a rebuild with the handcuffs from a skill player perspective that they faced in the month of December. should be very proud to have an allegiance to this team if you do. should be very excited about the future. Because I know I am. And I'm excited to get into the offseason and start that process once again of, okay, how do we get better? How do we take the next steps? Let's get there. I hope you guys enjoyed. I hope you guys can take something from this to kind of recalibrate your week as a a Miami Dolphins fan. Because there was a part of me that wanted to fire up the podcast right at 8 o'clock last night when the Colts beat the Jaguars and eliminated Miami from the playoffs and just let it rip. But what is that? What does that accomplish? I already did that show this year back in week two. So try to take a more big picture, objective view, total body of work, because that's what I've been preaching to you guys all year long. Is this is a process. Think big picture. And big picture, the Dolphins win from a team that had to play perfect to challenge to win in 2019, to if they played a team with equal or lesser talent. Throughout the entirety of the season, the Dolphins were 10-2 and two in those football games. The Dolphins playing equal or lesser talented teams, 10-2. and two. But the four elite games on their roster, they got bit by all four of them. So what does that tell you? This team is now an ascending young roster. They've got the right pieces. They've got a lot more ammunition at their disposal to continue to level up. But they are not to the talent and experience level yet to bang with those elite teams throughout the course of a season. That is the challenge for the Dolphins this offseason. Build your blueprint to beat the Bills. And a lot of personnel decisions that you make should be with the Buffalo Bills in mind. Because the Bills aren't going anywhere. So you got to be able to put your foot down and start giving it back to this team a little bit. Embrace for the Baltimore Ravens of the world because they're on the schedule next year. Brace for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers of the world because they're on the schedule next year. Brace for the Indianapolis Colts because they're on the schedule next year. Those are the kinds of changes that the Dolphins have to be ready for in 2021. And we'll get there. And we'll work through the process together. And this offseason, you know, I'll give you my perspective, my point of view. And then once we get what the Dolphins ultimately choose to do, we'll work through it and we'll, we'll make sense of it. And we'll understand why they did it. And we'll talk about what could go right and what could go wrong. And hopefully things go, quote unquote, as wrong as they did this year, in which the Dolphins coming off a five-win season in 2019 go 10-6. and six. Fins up. I love you all. Power to the pod tomorrow. You're questions your topics your reactions bring it we got a long week uh, but this will be the hardest week and then we'll be back on the horse and we'll be talking about how to get this team to a point where it can be a championship contender and i'm looking forward to that day and i'm looking forward to taking that ride with each and every one of you kyle crab signing off 
Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Thanks, as always, for listening.